0: Let's
1: To Nintendo Nostalgia I'm your host Jacob Russ And I'm joined by my co-host Brian Black And Chris Warren And we are back and we are playing with power
0: Gentlemen, how are you doing? I'm doing awesome, how are you doing Jacob?
1: You no, know, I'm doing pretty good It's been a busy week, I'm tired But I'm good, good in general so. Yeah, I'm
0: tired too um, You've had a lot of snow this week Oh yes, I've had tons and tons of snow uh, I think it's about two feet and, uh, just been shoveling like nonstop, but, um, I have to say, and it's pretty cool cause everyone agrees. Like it just looks beautiful. Like seeing this much yeah. snow, I haven't seen this much snow in ages and like, usually I can't stand it. And I definitely, uh, am annoyed at how I have to like go to work so early, um, it, with all the the snow on the sides and it's like a little dangerous but um it, it just looks amazing like my commute to work is just like stunning with all the trees and the snow so i'm very yeah, thankful for that it's a wonderful yeah
1: thing. Did anything shut down when the snow first dropped shut down yeah like you guys did you get any work off at all yes or?
0: actually so that was pretty cool i did have uh a technically like two days off because of it so that was pretty cool yeah so i finally got to relax and i did get to play uh the game that we'll be talking about today and uh it was a really really good time yeah but how's ryan doing
2: i'm good i'm really tired um i uh it's supposed to be my day off but they had like an all hands meeting so i had i i didn't have to go and i could have watched the recording but i just i showed up but I, I didn't take into account that it was uh, Mountain Standard Time, so I was up at eight AM this morning when I and I was up late last night. So I, I, and I nice. really needed to be up at ten, but mm. whatever, you know, I was pretty tired. But other than that, I'm good. Good health. Good. Glad to hear that. Good deal.
1: Yeah. Well, guys, um, let's not waste any time. Let's go ahead and jump into what we have been radical rexing about. Okay, Chris, uh, you've not been on in a
0: minute, so I want to hear from you, man. Anything got you excited as of late? Yeah, um, I just realized I actually haven't been on with you guys in a while. But um, yeah, I actually got my first vaccine shot last week, so I am just over the moon about that. Super, super thankful. Um, got that while I was still in the driver's seat, so that was unexpected. <laughs> but um, hmm. I was playing, and, I, and a lot of people in our Facebook group um probably saw this but uh I played Resident Evil 4 on the Switch recently and it's just you know like nice. I said in my post I can't believe that I can hold Resident Evil 4 in <laughs> my hands one of the greatest yeah. games of all time <laughs> not just in my hands but it plays even better uh I mean I should say it looks even better uh than than when I played it on the GameCube and that game changed my life right. so uh it was just this like existential (laughs) revelation when I was playing it. I thought you didn't like scary things. You know what? I don't, I can't stand scary things, but there's just something about Resident Evil four that just keeps bringing me back. And I can't describe Mm -hmm. what it is. (laughs) It's, it's just, I hate,
1: I've, I've made it known that I hate gore and I hate horror, but I have always wanted
0: to, Play that mm-hmm. game. I I think just from nostalgia. I think <laughs> you'd like it. Yeah. Like Ryan, what do you think? Because like, like you guys know, I can't stand scary things. I I'm not like a baby. Yeah. It's just like uncomfortable for me. It's just no. Yeah. It messes with. Yeah. Me. And like I don't know. I just don't want to put these like weird thoughts in my head. But it's just I guess it's exactly. so like over the top and absurd that it, it doesn't really have that kind of an effect on you. And it's more like mm-hmm. thrilling. It's it's like action packed mm-hmm. and thrill. And tense and exciting. It's not like. I mean, I don't want to say there's not cheap jump scares because sometimes there are, but like, Mm -hmm. they're kind of like masterfully done and, like, expertly crafted and, and the level design is just so unbelievably amazing and the, there's, like, mm-hmm. these environmental puzzles that are just, like, I can't believe this is in a Resident Evil game. So right. um I th- I think you'd like it, Jacob. So, uh, get, well, yeah, it give really, it a shot.
1: I feel like it was the first game that really kind of ventured off their traditional path of, like, zombies trying to devour you in your and your know? Play hopeless, it on you Wii, know, and, please. and
2: please. Yes. Yeah,
1: and this this was, like... I don't know. It was a lot more action packed, and kind of mentally knew what you're getting into, and it was different than the old game. So it just was. they just took a different direction with yeah, it. Yeah, totally.
0: It was the quick times.
2: Uh, mm-hmm. Quick time actions are pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how well, uh, you know, quick, quick actions uh, like hold up today in other games, like if they were Mm -hmm. to implement them now, um, because it's kind of like a thing that's been overdone. But at the time it was it was totally new and it was pretty exciting and and different for Resident Evil and and appropriate too. But um, yeah, like when it came out, it was just this game that wasn't just a game. It was this grand experience that was like designed from top to bottom to be just something that would blow your mind and be completely unexpected. And that first level is just timeless. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just for GameCube. Yeah. And towards the end of the GameCube's life like I don't know what that what they were thinking with that but um, I mean (laughs) they did kind of backtrack but anyway sorry I just I'm just so happy to be going back to Resident Evil 4 and and you know replaying my childhood but in like a completely new way there's just something about playing a game especially one that you loved growing up portably um, that's just so refreshing and exciting and um, actually speaking uh, about you know playing a games that you played as in in your childhood in like a new way Um, I'm very fortunate that a friend got me uh, Pokemon Let's Go Eevee and for me to play a game that literally made me a gamer and is literally the reason why I'm here right now speaking to you guys and to play it in Mm. such a new way um, like what I'm seeing on the screen is what I imagined in my mind, but didn't really see on, yeah. the, on the screen at the time. It, it's just yeah. such an amazing experience, you know. Yes, I actually just ordered that. <laughs> uh, Ryan's holding Ball up Plus. the Pokeball Plus. Yeah. So yeah. I hope it's worth it because I did not pay uh, oh, yeah. retail prices for it. <laughs> yeah, it's um, definitely
2: worth it. Uh, okay. I, it took me a while to figure out that there was a button on the top. Mm -hmm. So I was like, how do you do Uh, this stuff? Like, I don't understand. Where's the B button? You know?
1: Right. I have it. I saw my ball. I traded in my game. But I still have the Mm -hmm. ball because I know one day I'll go back to it. I just. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But I, I kept that ball because I feel like those are going to be a gem to come by one right. day 20 years from now where it's like oh man you got one yep of those? yep
0: you know so. I don't know if you guys um can relate but like when I was younger I just wanted a pokeball <laughs> yeah there's yeah, just absolutely. something about it <laughs> for yeah. sure so um
1: yep. and I I can know what you relate to on that comment about like that you were playing Resident Evil 4 in your mm-hmm. hands like that's just the beauty of the switch and like that's Honestly, like we got that with Mario 64 and we have that with Donkey you Kong know, Country games. Like that's why True. that's you know, one of the biggest reasons why I want to get Banjo-Kazooie on the Switch. It, exactly. Was, uh, I want to be able to play that game just in my hands, in my bed, just laying there portably. That That's a, it's a fascinating feeling. Yep. It really Absolutely. Is.
0: There's, there's something about this need to play a game that you love so dearly any way that you want, you know. I don't know what it is, but it's just like you you want to take this experience with you no matter what you're doing in your life. So, right. yeah, I, I totally feel you there. I'm 100% with you. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much what I've been Radical Rexing about. And also uh, playing Donkey Kong Ooh. Country, too. Wanted to throw that out there. Nice. So, loving it. Yes. Loving it. Great great platformer Good. and great music, great design. Uh, yep. Can't wait to keep playing it. What about you guys? Awesome. Right? Ryan?
2: Um, what am I radical waxing about? My goodness. Uh, it's been a crazy busy week. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Duel Links, but, um, not a whole lot of gaming. Um, I will hop on here and there, uh, you know, grab on, uh, grab on to my, uh, dailies, uh, for World Ends With You, and then I'll switch over to Dragon Quest. And I started dipping my toes into that, Dragon Quest eleven.
0: Awesome. Um,
2: I'm happy to finally be, uh, me moving forward with that i transferred my stuff from the demo that i played i didn't even get through all the demo i just you know i never really got around to it and so um, i'm finally starting to get in the mood i just wasn't in the mood for a while I'm like i kept booting up like man i just don't feel like doing an rpg um but then i played a little bit enough to where to get to the next story beat and then i started like, getting into it i'm like okay i can keep going now and so i'm i'm starting to uh take on that huge task So here it's a pretty long game yeah, um, but it's uh, I'm excited to finally be off the whole like Hyrule Warriors kick that I was on and and moving on. So it's
0: yeah. been pretty cool. Um, yeah, hope you love it. It's, I hear really good things about it.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I really loved nine, and uh, I always wish ten. Like ten's been on three different consoles, and we never got it in the states. So it was yep. online only one. So you know. Mm-hmm. I had to. Uh, I had to settle for getting eleven. So uh,
0: <laughs> it's not a bad compromise.
2: Mm-hmm. And I'm still hoping for that nine port, but that's never going to happen. Yeah, you know, especially with that company that just, uh, you know, stopped making games. Or I can't even remember what all was involved with that. But
0: mm.
2: uh, what are they called? I can't. I
0: don't know. Oh, That's it.
2: Level five. So oh. Okay. They, they they uh they're not making games outside of Japan now. I guess.
0: Oh right yeah. So I probably a... have to
2: import if they did do something like that. But you know that's a, that's a um, shame. Yeah. Other than that, I uh, you know cleaned up my office and got it rearranged. I got my uh, green screen set up for when I start streaming again. I kind of tested it out a little bit today. That was pretty fun. Great. Um, do I think there's anything else like earth Shadowly amazing? I've just been pretty much all work all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I'm hoping to uh, break away here soon once things start to normalize and, and really get, a, get my hands on streaming again. So:
0: Cool. looking forward to that. What about you, Jacob? Um,
1: you know, not much. Uh, I I'm, I'm about three weeks into back to uh, uh, clean eating and working out hard at the gym, and I'm really feeling it and seeing it, you know, one step at a time. You know, it's uh it feels great. You know, I am yeah. getting back I'm back into my old routines I used to do as a trainer years ago and I'm eating every two to three hours, prepacking my foods and um getting to the gym at least four to or five times a week. So um I'm really just enjoying it. I'm back on my self, su- old you know, old school supplements too. So um I I really am enjoying. It. I can't wait to fit in all my best looking clothes again because <laughs> they're all just they just sit in my dresser or in the closet cuz they look terrible on me at the moment. But I'm getting there. Um and then uh so Lindsay's like slowly been playing every Switch game I own it seems like <laughs> and she's already played Mario Odyssey, she's played Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. She's tested out a few others. Um, and now she has just falling in love with luigi's mansion three nice um i mean you can see in the background she's actually here right now playing (laughs) it so um it's really awesome i love that when i love when she gets into a new game i love just watching her i think there's something fun i mean i'm when i have a new game i i want to play it you know i'm not I don't like to share, I guess, very much. I always want to play and dive into a world. But when I've beaten something and I thoroughly enjoyed it, I I really do have great joy just sitting back and watching someone else play something and just watching their experience and um, helping them out along the way. So um, I'm really happy to see that. And um, Mario uh, Bowser's Fury comes out next week. Oh, yeah. I'm excited for for that one. Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll be getting that for Valentine's Day. That's going to be our date. We're getting Mario, and we're going to play it all night and order a pizza. Very awesome. cool.
0: Awesome. I hear really good yeah, things about kind of uh, well.
1: Bowser's Fury, so I'm, like, so curious to play that. I'm so stoked. Yeah. So stoked to play that. It kind of gives me hope and an idea. I, this is kind of like the first 3D Mario that we're going to get where, like, they have Mario power-ups in, like, an open sandbox Atmosphere, and I think that's really cool. So, I kind of hope that they can take this direction with Mario moving forward. You know, like like Mario Odyssey had the hook of the hat, and um, which was cool. But I would love to see like tradition. We think about that. We haven't really had traditional Mario power ups in a regular sandbox world. You have like sixty four just had new caps that were not traditional stuff. Sunshine focused on flood. Um, True. I don't really consider Galaxy a... It's not sandbox. It's linear. So um, Odyssey didn't do it because they focused on Cappy. I would love to have a full-on 3D Mario game where they did... Have those elements in it.
0: I mean, I kind of consider the transformations in Odyssey kind of as power ups just they 're just kind of like disguised mm-hmm. yeah. as like capturing something, but like they you, you know you 're not mario you 're a completely different being, so right. it's a, a different interpretation of what a power up can be that 's how I see it, but um, but I know what you mean. It would be right. pretty cool to um to have like traditional power ups in an open world setting, which is kind of like you know, what we've been Get hoping for for a suit. while.
1: <laughs> oh
0: yeah. yeah. Can you imagine
1: getting a Tanuki suit and you just start flying around in like a forest area with oh, it yeah. on and jumping from
0: tree to tree? Like
1: that'd be super cool. Yeah, I never thought or of the that. squirrel, the squirrel nut
0: <laughs> that you got. In, in we need a lot more squirrel nuts in, <laughs> in Mario <laughs> games or just in squirrel games nut. or in life in general.
1: <laughs> for sure. But uh, yeah, that's it's really what I've been radical rexing about Great. guys. Um, <laughs> All good things. So it, before we get into our main topic, we have had a couple of uh, voicemails that we've been in an email that we've been sitting on for a couple of weeks, and we want to get to those. So go ahead and play those for us, Ryan.
2: All right. Our first one uh, is from Isaac.
3: What up, Mouse Crew? This is Isaac. Just wanted to call in, give you guys some more love, some more shout-outs. Uh, I had a few questions for you. Just thought i throw out there for you. Been enjoying listening to you guys' feedback. Uh, here in different episodes, but one thing that crossed my mind is uh, guys cover a lot with Banjo-Kazooie. I consider it to be uh, one of my top games, probably top ten for sure, um, but my thought I was thinking about was there's not much talk about Banjo-Tooie, so I just thought, what are your guys' thoughts, feedback on that? Um, me personally, I can go on about Banjo-Kazooie, the nostalgia I have for that game, when I first got it and playing it. When I played Banjo-Tooie, I remember it just didn't feel the same. I don't know if it was the style. Um, I remember being a little darker, more grainy on the graphics, whereas Banjo-Kazooie was this brighter. Uh, of course, it was a kind of like a Mario-type game, so it was more in the brighter tone, but it had its dark moments, too. But Banjo-Tooie, I just didn't get into as much. Um, so I just wanted to get feedback on that. didn't know how you guys felt about it. Um, it kind of leads into i 've recently got ukulele uh, and the impossible layer, and what i 've noticed is the first ukulele it almost felt like banjo three e uh, and what I mean by that is it kind of was a continuation, but it kept a lot of what two e had It just didn 't have as much for me to get into. It was not a bad game by any means, but i didn 't feel like uh I could get into it as much. I think the thousand the uh, Tossable Layer is definitely an improvement. I like the Donkey Kong Country series as well. I think that that's their bread and butter when it comes to the platforming genre. So, um, But I just want to get your thoughts on that because that's how I feel about TUI. I think it's uh, kind of, again, a continuation. I'm hoping that they kind of go back to that roots if they make another ukulele or the long speculated rumor of Banjo Kazooie making that again. Of course, that'd be amazing. But
1: just thought I'd get your feedback on that as well. So I hope you guys are doing well. Stay safe. You guys take care. Thanks for calling, Isaac. Wow. Yeah. Um, man, well, I could go on and on about this topic. It's, we haven't covered Banjo-Tooie. You know why? It's because it's one of those special games that I just have a hard time pulling the trigger on. As weird as it sounds, I always have a hard time wanting to cover my most favorite games because it's like i don't know they're very special i want to get them right and and sometimes it feels like it's like a one and done thing and it's like oh we already talked about it you know so it's like we haven't got, we to, haven't got to it yet we will um but to just kind of my opinions on banjo 2 is you know you're not wrong i think banjo kazooie is the better game um however when i played ban, ban- for me personally banjo 2 I never owned Kazooie. I borrowed it from my friend Brad, and I was in love with it. So banjo Tui was really – it was a big deal when I got it. I got it for Christmas, and um, it was my Banjo-Kazooie, and I beat it. I play it through and through, and I beat it. And I have nostalgic memories of playing on New Year's Eve at my house with Ryan there playing his own games and watching me play and the clues the clue click land is where i was at or clue <laughs> careful there can't think of it yeah sorry <laughs> they're in the clouds but that way clue cloud cloud land or cuckoo whatever. land
0: i think something like that
1: yeah something yeah. like that cloud c- cuckoo land um and um it's a big game and the thing about tui is yes it's darker um it's not as it can be very depressing, especially the older you get, and you just realize how depressing it is As a kid I don't think you really see that quite as much um, but uh it they just they were really trying to do something ambitious that the technology was very limited at the time like um to do, and we they were trying to interconnect all the levels you do one thing in this level and it will affect something in another level, and that's stuff you see all the time in games today, but back then it was on a cartridge you know it was so difficult they were very limited very ambitious um and just bigger worlds and um i think what you we said about ukulele is exactly right like they they kind of continued on that, that same path very big worlds and sometimes the worlds felt empty like there wasn't enough to do in them and i i'm in the i'm in the boat of like i think a more condensed world not tiny obviously like enough to move around and feel great but enough to to do a lot you know and not feel like oh i gotta go all the way up that mountain and and get one item you know like that's the that's the balance i think it takes but um two is hard to go back to i tried to go back to it for the first time as a kid Uh, it's been many years now um but i remember getting about halfway through the game and then i um for some reason i had to stop i stopped and then i tried to come back to it and i was completely lost and it's a game that like you can't stop in the middle of you have to play it through and through if you're going to replay it because everything of the world's interconnecting like there's a chain reaction you can't do certain things so you've done certain things in other levels and it's just a uh, it's a confusing game if you stop in the middle of it so Whenever I revisit it, hopefully when it gets ported to the Switch one day, fingers crossed, I'll 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 beat it again. But, um, Chris, what yeah, you know, go. What, what do you think, man?
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, Jacob, it's crazy how much you and I have in common with like our our childhood. Like a lot of what you just said is is yeah. what I experienced as well. Um, yeah, the Banjo Kazooie franchise is the most sang- sacred franchise to me uh, by a wide margin. So. Um Amen. yeah so Isaac brought up a really interesting question and honestly like I'm still kind of processing it right now and um I think you know Isaac brought up a lot of good points and and Jacob you you brought up a lot of good points too so Banjo-Tooie was my first uh unless it was uh, Donkey Kong 64 that was like my first epic big uh, you know, 3d adventure and really drew me into video games period. I feel like I keep saying that about a bunch of games, but like really it was, it was Banjo-Tooie. Um, I have very fond, uh, memories and nostalgic, you know, fondness for Banjo-Tooie. It's a very special game to me. Um, I am kind of reluctant to go back and play it, to be honest, because there's something that's really unique about nostalgia, where you grow up, you have these great video gaming experiences, you love them, and then a few years pass, you know, you you get older, and then... You know, you get to an age where you you look back really fondly at these games and you're like, hey, I wonder how these games hold up. And sometimes it, these games are, are very fondly remembered and sometimes not as much as as you might remember them. And so it's one of those games where I am I don't want to go back to it because I kind of want to keep those memories as they are. Um, I will say I have gone back to Banjo-Kazooie lately. Um, I got that Eon adapter thing that makes uh, N64 games uh, look good good enough in HD. And I have to say Banjo-Kazooie holds up extremely well as a game across the board. Like It looks great. It sounds great. It plays great. Great game. Um, from what I hear, Banjo-Tooie is a little bit different, um, but you know like i said i love banjo tui um i love the characters i love the power ups like on paper what they did to that game and what they did differently to that game um was really clever and awesome and i love that and i'll i'll get back to it one day but um you know for now with ukulele um i just wanted to touch on that real quick it just kind of it's kind of like when you go in someone's beautiful house, but it doesn't really look lived in. It's kind of like a museum. Um, That's kind of how Mm, I see ukulele. Like it, it looks great. Everything's all the pieces are there, but there's just something about it. It doesn't, feel like a living, breathing world. And I think that's the main difference between ukulele uh, 1, at least, and um, Banjo-Kazooie mm-hmm. and Tui. I just feel like a, a few extra months, or maybe a year or so, of really thinking about what that world entails, who lives in it, what they do in that world, etc., how they interact with each other, and how all these different pieces uh, connect, I think that would have made a huge difference in the game. But um, it, it kind of came off as like a, a, a nice tech demo that came close to greatness but didn't really reach those levels but yeah that's that's my take but i, I do want to dive deep into all of the games that that we've mentioned so far but yeah
1: for mm-hmm. sure and 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 you know to even top off with that i would hope that Platonic gives uh ukulele the original game a second crack yes. and i think that even the, i think a second time through after a post mario odyssey world too i think um they can do some wondrous things now. I mean, their team's only bigger, and the talent keeps growing. And I, I don't care what anyone says. I think it was an amazing feat that they did for a, such a small team that just started off of Kickstarter yeah. a Kickstarter, as and they made that ambitious of a game. I think that's really impressive. Totally. Because even though the game was not as charming and perfect as Banjo-Kazooie 1 was, it still did an amazing, amazing yeah. things for what that team can do. Shows the yeah. true talent. It's there.
0: not like they don't know what they're doing. They made the previous games. They know how to do this. Right. It's just giving them the tools that they need and the time that they need, and you know the the money in in some cases, I'm sure. Um, so I think the potential's there, and I do think that um they they can reach the levels of greatness that we expect and that they expect um if if they have the abilities to do so but um Ryan did you want to add to this i'm not sure how uh, familiar with the with banjo kazooie or ukulele ukulele you might be
2: um i don't have any any experience with banjo tui so i don't have any you know not much okay. to say on that mm-hmm. um mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I did
2: have a question though. Did uh, did they finally announce what the new name for Playtonic was going to be? I heard they were changing their name.
0: Oh, I don't. Know. I haven't heard
1: that at all. I that, I don't know if I they've announced anything officially yet. Okay. But that's I know that some, they said
2: big changes oh. are coming. So I was like, wondering if they said anything.
0: Wow. Okay. How recent was that? Like a week or two ago. Yeah, oh, about, wow. about a week. So. Okay.
1: Like they're like rebranding themselves.
0: I mean, I kind of like their name and I like their logo and stuff. I don't really have a problem yeah. with like how they identify themselves as a company, but if it's going to be better, sure. Whatever. But yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. As long as they're not being
1: bought out by anybody unless it's Nintendo. Right. <laughs>
0: yes. That's a great point. Oh man. Can you imagine it was Sony? All of us would be like, now what? How do we process this? I'd be so <laughs> yeah. ticked. So freaking yeah. ticked. <laughs> yeah. But I'm sure well, it'll be something anyways, yeah,
1: Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, thanks for calling, Isaac. We appreciate yeah, it, man. thank you.
2: M- moving on to our, to our next voicemail.
4: Guys, what's up? It's uh, Ryan from Massachusetts calling in again. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I uh, hope you guys are all doing well, having a good start to the week. Uh, well, here we are. I'm radical reaction again. But, uh, you know, Unfortunately, my cat tragically, uh, passed away last week. Um, I'm doing a little bit better now, but, uh, yeah, it was pretty sad, and, you know, just, just, kinda, kinda sucks, but, uh, unfortunately, you know, he would always hang out with me while I was, you know, gaming, and, uh, it's weird because I just have these nostalgic memories of him, you know, hanging out with me, just being there. While I'm just playing games, I can see them on, you know, my bedside, so it's uh, kind of put a halt on my gaming because it's just like, you know, something is missing while I'm gaming. But uh not sure if anyone else has had any feeling like that. Obviously, losing a pet is one of the worst experiences ever. But, uh, yeah, I hope you guys are having a good week. Uh, sorry to, you know, put the damper on everyone with that story, but... Yeah, I haven't been doing too much radical rexing cuz uh we've been, you know, grieving. But uh hey, hope you guys have a good week and uh looking forward to the show. Awesome. Thanks, guys.
2: Thank you, Ryan. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Uh that's kind of a tough thing to go through. I know. Uh, you know, I uh my dog passed a few years back and and uh have many fond memories that I can carry with me and and uh that's that's kind of the uh the, the harder part with nostalgia is you know not everything lasts, and uh some of those things uh, you don't get to experience those things again and um but it's awesome to look back wistfully on those years that you you know you game together with your pets,
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, so Ryan, um, you know, we love when you call in and it's always great to hear from you and, and talk to online. So, um, you know, first of all, thanks for calling in. But um, I'm so, so sorry uh, to hear about your loss. You know, like Ryan said, that is one of the most difficult things that anyone can go through always. But I do hope that you at least find comfort in the fact that, you know, when you play games with your cat, that you gave him like the best possible life. You know, that, that bond that you guys share in that moment is something that is timeless and that's always going to be with you. And that, that made his life, you know, and, and um, I'm sure he loved you for it and, and enjoyed spending time with you. So um, I hope that, that you find comfort in that and, you know, healing takes time, but, everything's going to be just okay and you know gaming is a great way to kind of take your mind off of things and you know build new memories so you know we love talking to you online and um you know i'm sure you can uh, find some friends to play with online and stuff so it's it's always good to kind of look forward to the future and and build new memories with uh, new connections and stuff so um you know wishing you the best of luck and um you know i'm sure we'll be chatting even more Mm. Ryan, I'm very sorry to hear about the loss of your cat, man, and
1: it does suck. You know, that's the one of the hardest. It's one of the things uh, I think everyone inevitably knows that they're signing up for when they get a pet one day that they will have to say goodbye. Um, and uh, it, it, it's never fun. I'm sorry. Um, I appreciate you sharing with us and calling in and um, you know, uh, well, you always are our thoughts and prayers. Uh, and uh, anyone who who listens to the show and calls in especially stuff like that but um guys uh ryan uh you know i don't know maybe maybe the new mario game coming out would be a game to help get you back in and kind of lift your spirits it is about cats yeah there's an idea you know (laughs) so who knows maybe you could give that a crack i don't know if you played it before on the wii U or not yeah it is a good game and we Um, can play it with you <laughs> right, you know, get you out of your funk and get you back into some mm-hmm. gaming. So who knows? Maybe you could put that on your radar. Yeah, do it. All right, and we have an email, right, Ryan?
2: We do have an email. Uh, let me pull that up here. And uh, so this is, um, let's see, uh, this is from Andrew. Uh, he says, "Hey, Nintendo Nostalgia. I just started listening to your podcast. As I just got into podcasts." I've been enjoying the shows and wanted to share a thought as it's Zelda's 35th anniversary. Might be a good topic to cover also. I feel Majora's Mask gets the same treatment as the prequels of Star Wars. Some people love it, others not so much. I wanted to explain why Majora's Mask is an incredible game. First, the darkness of the game is spot on. People forget that this journey is not all about saving Termina. It is about Link's journey to find Navi and the game could be considered almost a side quest, helping everyone while searching for answers to Na'vi's whereabouts, even though the story focuses more on Majora's Mask, the Skull Kid, and Termina. I remember how innovative this game was. Uh, being able to play as a Goron, Zor, and Deku Scrub was the coolest thing as a kid. Even with how sad of a story it was, everyone was searching for a loved one or friendship, including Link and Na'vi. This is something that you could relate to. I have many theories on this game, and as far as everyone having a counterpart, I do not believe Majora is Ganon's counterpart. And without going into much detail, Ganon was actually supposed to be in the game as fisherman and have dialogue, um, but cannot remember what he was supposed to say. So if things are opposite and you think about it, Link's friends left him at the end of Ocarina of Time, just like the Skull Kid's friends, and four giants left him. I would have to get into who Majora and the Fierce Deity are and the origins, which I won't because it will be too long. But if you think about it, if you have these two people who have lost their friends and Link is the hero and Majora is the villain, so that would make Majora Link's counterpart. Again, I would have to explain the origins of the mask for this to make sense. The time travel is annoying as it makes perfect sense as Zelda sent Link back to relive his childhood and as he knows the song, it fits perfectly within Majora's mask. Having each mass transformation has a different instrument was blowing my mind as a kid, too. It took a chance and worked very, very well. Healing the spirits so they can rest in peace is a great storyline with a deeper meaning of live life to the fullest, no regrets kind of thing. Sorry for going on for so long. I have so much I could go into. With that being said, I would love to see a podcast covering the timeline between Ocarina of Time and Majora. I just ordered the new game. um, It's a fan game uh, called Legend of Zelda The Missing Link. I will probably send another email after I get in on in the mail and play through it. Thanks Andrew. Yeah. I love
0: emails like that that just um just totally throw me off. <laughs> and uh just um you know, speculate about, you know, the the deeper meanings behind games and and the intentions and ambitions behind them. I just find that so fascinating. Um Zelda Majora's Mask, yeah. I don't know if you guys might remember. I remember reading this in Nintendo Power, but it was originally titled Zelda Gaiden, which I believe translates to, uh, you know, Gaiden means mm. side story or something like that. Um, so that, that was the intention behind uh, the development of that game, um, so, which I think is really interesting. I think that, that more games should have side stories. You know, it's, it's, it's really cool to kind of like flesh out a universe and right. really be experimental and, and, and branch out and try new experimental things. I think it's so good, not just for a franchise but for like gaming in general, you know, because so many things originated from uh, Majora's Mask that were just so risky and bold and uh, it would not be happening in like a a traditional, well, I don't know, it is kind of a traditional game. Um, Yeah, they just took a lot of risks and and they they had a weird reception at the time, but it's developed this really interesting, like cult following, especially, uh, you know, around the time that it was uh, re-released on the 3DS, like Majora's Mask was like so hot around that time. Like everyone was talking about Majora's Mask. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. r- I mean, my relationship with Zelda is very complicated, especially because my very first Zelda game was Majora's Mask. And I never got farther than about an hour into the game. <laughs> it, You know, as a 10-year-old, it's just way over my head, and I just did not understand it, because, uh, I mean, you can't blame me for getting it, because right before, uh, you know, Zelda Ocarina of Time, one of the best games ever made, ever, (laughs) came out for the N64, so I'm like, okay, they're following it up, what could go wrong, right? (laughs) Um, But, you know, I do appreciate what they put into that game, and how clever it was, especially, like that the, the fact that it was developed in a, a year that is insane to me especially with the technology that they had at that time um so that is basically all i have to say about majora's mask i haven't gone too deep into it mm-hmm. but i i just think it's such a cool concept so that's uh, that's my take
1: that chris it's funny i mean what you said earlier about just how similar our childhood of gaming is because <laughs> my complicated relationship with Zelda started with Majora's Mask. When I was, Mask when I was 10. I got it for 10. It was my first Zelda game ever. Um and I I didn't know who Ganondorf was honestly until yeah. until the GameCube days. I I didn't Until realize. Smash Brothers. <laughs> yeah, essentially. And then when we got to revisit I played Ocarina of Time on my GameCube when I pre-ordered um you know uh mm-hmm. Wind, Waker, uh, Wind and Waker stuff. So, mm-hmm. uh you know, it was pretty. To me, I thought Majora was the main baddie of all Zelda. You know, yep. and um, the game was very, very intriguing. And I, I did beat it. I think I'm pretty sure I got the guidebook with it, when, um, so I was able to like figure out like the um the 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 music track to slow time down which is big because if you don't know that you're like what the heck i can't do anything in this game you know because time flies by so fast um i really like how deeply you look into it. it it reminds me of honestly what made me fall in love with zelda back in in my youth was um just how deep the story is um how they all are like they all connect and how everything happens over different periods of time in life. And I love that. I, I really do. And um, this game is its own special unique take on everything. Um, its story is very deep. I want to know. I want to know a lot more about the fierce deity. i f- I really, really, really want to see a sequel uh, to Majora's mask. I want to see more of yeah. Majora. I would love yeah. Majora to come back in some way. Um and and the fierce deity and there to be like some more lore to those masks and their spirits individually. I would love that honestly. Mm-hmm. So um no that thank you for emailing us. Um mm-hmm. I would love to do that episode of what you what you asked about. When we'll definitely talk about it and be planning for something fun like that. Um because mm-hmm. we love to you, do unique type of episodes and you, you ha- yeah let us
0: know how that fan made game is. I'm curious. Yeah, that's the first time I've heard of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just want to throw this out there, and Ryan, feel free to touch on this. Uh, that game scared me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about scary games, that was uh, a very uncomfortable, terrifying game for me. Yeah. But just wanted to throw that out there. It's very but, creepy. Yeah. <laughs> very deep with,
1: with all, oh, yeah. the, all the that. individual characters and their stories. Like, it's really an emotional game. I mean, there's so much with every individual character. If you just go watch some YouTube videos on it, it, it really will pull your heartstrings. Hmm.
2: Yeah. That, that initial transformation into the deck you scrub is terrifying. Yep. Um, I That always stuck with me and I didn't much like Majora's Mask because it was one of those games where it's like, kind of had to have a strategy guide if you didn't want to waste like True. countless hours uh, to figure out what to do. Um, and that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I, I got over it, but <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it's definitely a fun game uh, and it's fun once you finally start gaining control. It's very, you know, in a way it's, it's almost like a roguelike uh, hmm. up to a certain point until you get the time mechanic where you can control things. Like you play until you die and then you start all over again. Um, and yeah, you can store up your money and like a time vault or what have you. But um, it's kind of cool that that's kind of like the early beginnings of that idea Um not to say like that wasn't like the original arcade experience, but like just in modern games, that's kind of that idea. So yeah, yeah, I, I like that. Um, um, but I think there's a lot of a uh, lot of potential for us to do a really awesome episode uh, for the 35th. Uh, um, I vote for 35th for uh, Metroid because you know I'm a Metroid fan. But hey, we can do both. Why not?
0: <laughs> I'll add it to the list. <laughs> All right, well, that's all of
1: our messages for now. Um, thank you guys for messaging us. We encourage all of our listeners to email or message us, um, and we will read on the show. We truly, that's probably, that's probably the most special thing about our shows when we hear from you guys. We love to hear from you guys. really Agreed. does make our day. Um, but, well, gentlemen, we are back into the month of February, and in that month is lots of love and hearts and for some reason i view this franchise within that area i don't know quite know why uh, but um it's a beautiful time guys v for valentine it's got to be the v guys we are talking about beautiful joe 2
2: henshin a go go baby <laughs>
1: Every time, every time we do one of these games, we have to do it. Uh, Chris, uh, bro, uh, talk about when this game was released and your initial experiences
0: with it. Sure. So, Beautiful Joe 2 came out on uh, November 18th, 2004. And it also came out uh, December 8th, so just a little bit less than a month later, on PlayStation 2 um you'll remember that the first beautiful joe was uh exclusive to the gamecube for a while and that this game came out just a year after the first beautiful joe so i think that's really interesting um the developer was clover studio which is one of my favorite developers of all time r.i.p and the publisher was capcom um a lot of uh, uh, known developers worked on this game. Um, most notably, I would say, is uh, Hideki Kamiya, who has uh, developed quite a reputation ever since. Um, so <laughs> oh, has he? <laughs> yeah. Um, but so talking about this game and in, in my nostalgia, um, I was a... I really enjoyed the first beautiful Joe. I just thought it was so interesting and bizarre and just unlike any other game that I had played at that time. Um, you know, I've mentioned this a few times, but this was during an era where I was starting to kind of experiment and branch out with the types of games that I was playing. Um, so you know, Beautiful Joe's just, it's so different. And, you know, at that time, a lot of us really were looking for, you know, a 3D, uh, you know, action adventure game or platformer or something like this. And so for them to intentionally stick to two dimensions or 2.5D. Uh, whatever um, Was just so bold and, and striking um, And also You know talk about striking The the art style is just uh, Unforgettable mm-hmm. um, and, and timeless So um, I just remember seeing uh, The announcement in Nintendo Power And just being like uh, You know I love the original Beautiful Joe so why not more of the same um, And uh, I really enjoyed my time with it I will say though that there's, I I don't really know why, but I don't remember too much about the game. Like I don't have too much nostalgia for this. I, I remember the game because I've been playing it recently, but I don't remember too much about this particular, um, iteration of beautiful Joe. And I think it might be because it came out so soon after the original. Um, I do remember, you know, really enjoying it, but, um, you know, there's just. I think I just remember the the first one a little bit more. But playing, going back to it, and, you know, I'll, I'll end here. Uh, going back to it, I will say it holds up extremely well, and and plays uh, extremely well um, as well. So, uh, yeah, those are my thoughts on on this particular title.
1: Well, uh, for me, I mean, I would. Beautiful Joe is a game that I just found um, at Game Crazy back in the day with Ryan, and it was new, and I wanted to try something new. And so I got it, and I fell in love with the game. I mean, go back and listen to our first Beautiful Joe episode. Man, it was it, it, it was really unique and very special. I love. So the game brings about... Uh, they use... I feel like it was one of the first games where they really screwed around with like slow motion and rewinding and fast forwarding. It was really neat Um, because you're essentially you're playing inside of a movie trying to save the galaxy (laughs) Um, or the world, you know, from invaders from this movie world coming into the real world. Um, And this game, uh, I had to get it when the sequel came out. It was I loved it. It was a no brainer. It was an automatic pickup um I though although I will say uh Chris mentioned this beforehand this game is really hard and I remember yes. as a kid um I did not beat this one i I beat the first one I did not beat the second one I got very deep but I, I do not recall beating it at all um unfortunately and I would love to see Capcom make a re-release of this in HD I mean they've been doing that here and there with their old games like Okami and stuff um I could see them bringing this one to I that would be cool um the game i what i love what i really liked about it is that it, it, it starts off immediately from the end of the first one like and you're they're back in showing the movie and then um the hook is oh you can have two playable characters now in beautiful joe 2 which is his girlfriend from, from the first game um and there's just a lot more new enemies different unique fights and baddies come uh uh uh, across your way. Um, the game's not much different though. Outside of that, it's pretty much almost the same game. It's just, Hey, here's more bad guys and more story. Um, yeah. but that's really my initial memories of it. Ryan, what about you?
2: Um, I remember picking it up from GameStop. Uh, it was like, it was a must buy because the first one was so good. Um, and I was like, Oh, cool. You can play in it like the girlfriend. That's pretty cool. And, uh, she had a very like Power Ranger, Sentai, Man look, like kind of like Videl, you know, uh, kind of look with that, um, I sort of say a girl. And I really liked that idea. And she was all like very like cheerleader, cheerleadery, and and like hearts and, uh, but she had guns and projectiles. Whereas you know, Joe was was a just kind of like a brawler. You know, she had a little bit of a different game mechanic, and that was really cool that they introduced that. And I'm sure. We'll touch on that a little bit more later, but, you know, taking this new new character mechanics and, you know, putting it in the beautiful formula uh, in this, you know, it's, it's a B-movie, campy, like, makes fun of itself, tongue-in-cheek game, uh, full of humor and just, like, weird tropes and things. Uh, but that's the charm of it. Totally, like, every bit. Um, I mean, cheesy lines and all, like, it's worth every bit just to, to experience that. Um, and again, like you said, the, the shading, the cell shading and just the, the look like the hand-drawn, like beautiful backgrounds with the 3d, like just pops so well. And, um, it was really cool. It was definitely a neat experience. Um, and it didn't like completely like revolutionize the formula, uh, going into it. But I think that they did a really good job here, um, and, uh, giving us more of what, we love, yeah. And I, I do resonate with that. Like not remembering much about the game. Um, I just simply don't. It's kind of weird. Uh, I remember the very opening in playing um, a Sylvia, and then the rest is just kind of a blur. I actually remember the DS game more and Red Hot Rumble more than I do uh, <laughs> this this game. I totally forgot there was a DS game.
0: Yep. Yeah. Um I I will say like you know th- this game is yeah like we've mentioned a little bit more of the same which is fine because what the original did was great and it, it is a very refreshing game to play mm-hmm. uh when at the time we had all these different you know unique experiments with 3d space with luigi's mansion and right. super mario sunshine and metroid prime so it's kind of cool yeah. to go back to 2d roots and and kind of see this type of game in a in a, a new light you know and um if nothing else, I would say that this game will be remembered forever for its charm and its style, like Ryan said. So yeah. that when I look back at this game all I really think of is just the amount of style that it's just oozing in every single frame of this game. Like the the characters, the animation, the backgrounds, it's just this stunning work of art, if nothing else, you know, the gameplay is great, but like, it's just this, this style that will resonate with you literally forever. Um, and it's just, it's, uh, unforgettable, but, um, yeah, let me just read a little bit of the story for you. So, the plot ends, uh, I'm sorry, the plot begins right after the first game. So having just saved Movie Land, and this is uh, coming from online, uh, having just saved Movie Land, Beautiful Joe and his girlfriend and new partner, Sexy Sylvia, <laughs> learned from Captain Blue that the world will be threatened twice more. Joe and Sylvia leave Captain Blue's space station to attend to a, an alien invasion from the forces of Godot. The leader of Godot, the Black Emperor, suddenly attacks Captain Blue and turns him into a statue called a Rainbow Oscar, one of seven in a set that represents movieland's power of the happy ending. With their power, the Black Emperor intends to conquer movieland So... Uh, I do remember Captain Blue getting abducted, who was a pretty standout character from the original, and it, it was very cool, you know, like you guys mentioned, to have this ability to play as Sylvia, whereas in the first game, it was just Joe, and Joe's a very cool character, but, you know, Sylvia adds her own unique personality and her own abilities as well, so um, that was a kind of, uh, probably the main draw of this sequel, and, and what, um, what it brought new to the table. The, I, I I love even just the name sexy Sylvia as in, the,
1: as in it just goes to show you the kind of humor that this game brought. I'm mean, even the, yes. the first game was so silly. Like you just watch the intro scene and like his girlfriend's like trying to make out with him in a movie theater and everything comes to life. And it's, and he's like trying to get into the movie. It's really funny. Um, I really like the bounce of humor and action and, you see that just in the character and personality of who uh, Joe is and his girlfriend. I mean, even Captain Blue. There's just a lot of uh, silliness to the game. Again, which adds to the what you talked about makes this game a little bit timeless. You know, it's uh, beautiful art style, very similar to Okami's. Um, is like s- kind of cell-shaded a little bit. Um, very unique game, but the humor, I think, is top-notch as well, too, which you don't, I think it's kind of hard to capture good humor in games. Um, at least for yeah. today, I don't. I can't recall any games. Paper Mario is always good, but games that right. really just make me laugh out loud. You know, and this game was one of those.
0: Yeah, it has kind of like that indie charm to it, you know. Yeah. Like I, I would say, the only games these days that me, make me laugh—at least the ones that I played—are indie games, games that really take a chance and are just these like you know uh-huh. uh, passion projects uh, with people who just really have this vision and and this unique uh, style to them. So. It, you know, it had this uh, indie vibe to it back then, and you know, because indie games weren't even a thing back then, right. um, at least not on console. But you know, like Jacob said, a lot of the charm, and, and Ryan said this too, a lot of the charm is in the personality that the game has, and it's. A lot of that kind of is uh, Related to like it's movie Aesthetic and mm-hmm. you know Jacob mentioned this Too and, and Ryan too like um, it, it plays with this Theme of movies and uh, You know the, the gameplay mechanics involve You slowing down time and you'll see Like movie reels uh, you know Move yeah. across the perimeter of the screen Which is interesting and um, it's It's just a game that You know it doesn't take itself too Seriously it is kind of more Mature because you know one of the characters' names is Sexy Sylvia. Obviously, <laughs> it's not for kids, but it, it's... It's a game that you don't really need to take too seriously. If you don't get the story, it doesn't matter. That's not really the point. The whole point is just to enjoy this, like, roller coaster of a ride and just enjoy it for whatever it is. And um, I would say, like, this is as close to, like, anime as I've gotten. This is, (laughs) like, uh, I guess I can understand the appeal of anime if anime is kind of like this because it's just so over the top that I'm just like, you know what? I don't get it, but I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going to have fun. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what I love about this game. And there's very few games that, that get away with doing that. Yeah. Any, any comments, Ryan? Um,
2: no, I kind of feel that as well. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say, um, involving just the background, mm-hmm. the the characters and things like that. Um, it Didn't build a whole lot on the first right, one, right? Yeah, I
1: mean, um, like you said earlier, like it, it really. There's not much to this game, guys. It doesn't. It's not like even from like Ocarina to Majora's Mask, and there's all this deep lore stuff. It's a, It kind of is like a resemblance of what you got back in the you know NES and Super Nintendo days of beat 'em ups, like Ninja Turtles one to two. You know, it's just a, it's just a beat 'em up, and it, there's not much stuff to it. Uh, it's just a fun, unique game that. Honestly, it needs to get re-released. I would love to play this on my Switch. Um, I would buy it in a heartbeat of Beautiful Joe collection. Um, and it was a it was a well-selling franchise. I mean, uh,
0: I want to... Well, s- the first one sold well. The second one didn't sell too, too well. Oh, really? But... Yeah, it, I mean, it's sold, it sold okay, but not enough to, like, warrant uh, too many more sequels. Um oh, but man. I mean, I'll touch on that uh, just a little bit later. So, but I, I did want to mention, you know, this game is more of the same, you know, that's been mentioned a few times. But they did add a few things, you know, it's not just playing as Sylvia, but Sylvia does have these new abilities. So she does come with a gun, which was not, or, you know, a blaster, if you want to be, you know, politically correct about it, uh, you know, as Nintendo likes to do. Um, So she did have two guns, two guns. Sure. Um, (laughs) So she did have, you know, a a weapon and um, she did have a unique action to her or two actions, perhaps. Um, So, you know, fans might remember in the first game, you know, you can slow down time and that'll have like make uh, your attacks stronger or you can speed up time and you can like make, uh, you know, enemies catch on fire or whatever. But Sylvia is a little bit different because she was able to record and repeat her actions. So this is something that kind of gave me trouble the first time that I played the game and probably why it didn't get too far because it was just a a little too over my head. I didn't really understand. I might not have read the tutorials, honestly, but um, for some of the environmental puzzles, a lot of them are really clever, but it kind of, you kind of have to experiment, especially with these new moves. So Sylvia has this action where if you press on R, I believe, and you like hit something, it'll do that thing three times. So there's environmental puzzles where you need to hit something three times and you're like, how can I do that if it times out so quickly? So that's kind of where, uh, that came into play. Um, there's also like a record ability, but I don't, honestly remember that too well um but yeah um i will say though something that was really interesting about um sylvia's like three times action is that it can end up hurting you so it amplifies damage that is done to you which is uh from what i remember not in the first game so if an enemy attacks you and you use that like you know um record or whatever i'm trying to say that repeat action it can hurt you three times as much and then you get closer to dying Mm -hmm. so it's something you need to be really careful about um but something i I don't remember if this was in the first game guys was was the ability to buy new moves in the first game i think it might have been but this is the first time that i like paid attention to that were you able to like upgrade your your move set in the first game
2: I think the powers were like kinda taught to you along the way. I it's a little yeah. fuzzy uh by um uh, you know, Blue was the one that taught you Captain Blue. Right. Um in some ways. Um I don't know
0: I think there was like a store in between levels, you know, where you would save and stuff. Um, but I didn't, something about this game that I just never really um, took advantage of is those new, unique moves. It just didn't really occur to me at the time. Like, to me, and, you know, this is because I was so new to games, I saw Beautiful Joe and Beautiful Joe 2 more as like a weird platformer. I didn't really comprehend that it's a brawler and that part of the fun and the draw. Is this, you know, fighting the enemies and trying like new weird combos? So that's the appeal to go into the store and buy these new moves and try out these new moves. So that's just something that didn't reg- register with me at the time. But like, if you go back and play it now and you like understand that you can, you know, spice up your moveset, it does make it a little more enjoyable. So just wanted to throw mm-hmm. that out there.
2: Um, I did kind of want to talk about uh the like environments because yes. you know they, they spoofed like. Movies that we were We kind of grew up with uh, You know There was like Indiana Jones There was like You know Jurassic Park um, They And even then Like They, they had almost at, at the very end They had almost a uh, Very Kind of Scott Pilgrim-esque I don't know if you guys Have seen the movie mm-hmm. uh, But Kind of like how that movie ends um, It, it kind of has that moment uh, Where like You know Good guy <laughs> Bad guy That are like kind of like the the dark version of, of that character, kind of like makeup or whatever, or like become buddy or something. It's just kind of a cool like idea.
0: Yeah. <laughs> It's cool. No, I didn't um, get too far. Like, uh, like you guys have said, it, this one was a pretty difficult game. So I only got like a third into it. Um, so, uh, I, I want to go back to it and I want to beat it, but I was even playing on kids mode and I was having a really hard time. So it's just frustrating. Cause like, I know this game has so much more to offer, but I just kept getting stuck, but that's just me.
1: Mm. Um, well, I mean, obviously we've talked about how just you know wonderful the game is and it's in and of itself. Um, unfortunately, you know, the game teased a sequel, uh, it teased a third installment. It does at the beginning and at the end of the game. And, um, it never happened. Uh, two spinoff games came from it and Capcom, um, they own the rights to this franchise and they don't have any intentions as of right now to do anything with it. And, uh, Unfortunately, Clover Studios dissolved uh, in 2007, which, you know, they went on to start Platinum Games, core members of it. And we all know Platinum does a lot of amazing work and they're doing amazing work with they still work with Nintendo very closely. And I mean, you just talk about spiritual successors. I mean, the 1 for 101 which was made for the Wii U and then has been ported to Switch now. Um it was it's essentially a reimagining of what this kind of uni- this universe is. I mean, you look at the art style and the characters, and and the story of that game. It uh, it very much resembles the spirit of what Beautiful Joe was. Um, so really? if you want to play anything current on Nintendo to that kind of represents this game, I'd recommend to check that game out. Um, yeah. but you know it's it 's unfortunate. I would love to see beautiful Joe three um even the creator said he would love to finish out the story, the trilogy um but he doesn 't see it ever happening unless Capcom really wants to pursue this um, but you know it 's sad. Yeah. I would love to see it finished off
2: i've read a funny story about a uh, beautiful Joe two i uh, always stick with Nintendo kids uh because if you switch over to playstation you know and, and play beautiful joe it'll erase your, your your memory card saves apparently the demo for beautiful joe 2 in north America wow. for the preview disc um actually uh, had a bug in it they completely erased all data on memory cards on inserted memory cards Jeez. so yeah
0: um <laughs> way to go playstation <laughs> I mean the gamecube version's better anyway it just it like is. looks better so oh, yeah you know, I wouldn't even the, hesitate. The clicking,
2: the clicking on the GameCube controllers, yes. the shoulder buttons, nothing, nothing. beats that. Yep. Ryan,
0: right. when you and I were talking and you mentioned that, like, you know, there is some travel on the, the trigger buttons. But I have to say there is something really satisfying about using those on this game. I don't know what it is, but um, yeah, Ugh, those trigger buttons, I miss them so much. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, I, I think we've mentioned this before, but uh, there there is a few sequels that came out, I believe after beautiful Joe two. So I think it was beautiful mm-hmm. Joe one and then two. And then they had red hot rumble, beautiful Joe, red hot rumble, which is uh, basically a, a fighting game, kind of like in the, the style of super smash brothers, unless I'm uh, remembering that wrong, Ryan. Um, yeah. It, yeah. It is like that. Okay. Um, yeah. And there's also the DS game, which I hear very good things about. And um, I, I, Don't double trouble. Yeah. uh, I mean, it looks phenomenal for a DS game. Like it, like I was playing it, uh, you know, not too long ago and I was like, I can't believe this is a DS game. And it was a launch DS game, like launch window DS game. It looks so, so good. Um, I can't really speak to the quality of it, but you seem to enjoy it. Right, Ryan.
2: Oh yeah. I enjoyed it better than two actually. Hmm. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a little cramped, and there were some frustrating parts because it was so zoomed in uh, on on Joe. But mm-hmm. other than that, it was pretty pretty comfortable. Yeah. It had had some new mechanics as well, so it was really nice to have uh, more features available. Whereas two only really added like a new character that had some new ability. Like this one was actually Joe got some new powers, uh, so that was pretty cool. And I'd like to see what a a third in this series would be like. I know that's 2.5 mm. is what double trouble is pretty mm. much. Um you know, pun intended. Right. Um but I'd like to see what what a 3 would look like and what kind of powers they could bring to the, you know, the forefront in today's day and age.
0: Right. Uh I mean, Clover Studio did make the the DS game. I wasn't too sure about that. And Hideki Kamiya did work on that too. So I think that's really interesting. Um you know, like like Jacob said, the the spirit and and DNA of Beautiful Joe can be found in Wonderful One Hundred and One, but just expect completely different gameplay. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, and I could be wrong about this, guys, but it's kind of like uh, um, like Pikmin in a way. Yeah, cause it you're, is similarly. You know. Because you're kind of strategizing and, and, um, you know, being careful with all these different little guys. Um, So, uh, you know, very different games, but the same sense of humor and very similar senses of... style yeah um, it's not cell shaded but it, it i don't know it's it has its own unique thing going on but definitely that same sense of humor and probably even the same voice actors not that I. you can i
1: mean you just watch some watch a cut scene from beautiful joe watch a cut scene from 101 and you'll just like, wow yeah i totally see the resemblance
0: yeah mm-hmm. yeah um But I think Beautiful Joe, it totally belongs on the Switch. There's just something about that Mm -hmm. series that belongs on the Switch because it's this perfect. Yes, correct. (laughs) But if I could make a case for this series in particular, Mm -hmm. I think there's just something so special about Beautiful Joe because it's this awesome, perfect mix of like what. Makes the switch so special, so like it 's this grand three d adventure, but it's 2D. Right. So it 's in two d and so it's I feel like there 's something different about your experience if you play it in handheld mode and on this the the big screen. I just feel like there 's just something about uh, playing the games in in those two different ways, um, and I just feel like it belongs at least. In in handheld mode, in some way. I just feel like that's it, it lends itself so well to sure. that form factor, you know? Absolutely. Um, yeah.
1: Well, uh, I mean, really, that's I all I kind of have to say about this game. Um, and uh, I don't know, you guys have any final thoughts? And if not, uh, once you do our due diligence there.
0: Well, um, I, I just wanted to say, you know, we've mentioned that it it does do more of the same, but it really understood what made the first game so special. So it it took that formula and, and uh, you know, that level design and it just really blew it up and they added really cool ideas and they just worked with what they knew worked. (laughs) I don't know about that, (laughs) but um, you know, it, 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 it's kind of like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. right. Um, they just did more of the same, yep. and what was the same was great. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's just, you know, don't expect it to be overly memorable because it's so similar to its predecessor. But what is there is brilliant. The levels are stunning. Like, the stuff that you see in the background is just gorgeous to look at. Like, you just stop playing the game because you just want to look at the backgrounds. But um, you also interact with your environment in pretty cool ways. Like, you slow down time and you, like, punch up this rock and it goes into a volcano and that (laughs) volcano... like bursts or something right. and then you 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 slow down time and you you're on like a hamster wheel and you're like generating <laughs> electricity and it's just like these absurd scenarios and it just adds to you know what we've already said about the game is that this this charm that that yeah. it's just oozing from beginning to end and I highly recommend it to everyone like we, we've kind of been critical about it understandably but uh, I do think that it's it's worth giving a, a try to. Um, I don't know how much it goes for these days on GameCube, because that's really the only way you can play it, but if you can get a, a hold of it for a relatively decent price, I think you'll have a really good time if you keep an open mind. For sure.
2: I mean, definitely avoid the PlayStation 2 version. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's all all you can get. it. I think, now I, if I remember right, Red Hot Rumble also had a port to the playstation portable i want to say uh so the fighting game oddly enough ended up on, on a portable system but right that's true you know, outside of the it's so weird but uh yeah that's this is a very like kind of locked in time series yeah and for sure i'm hoping to see more of it come you know come down the pipeline soon and just even a remaster or something like there's people that are rabid for it i know like people mention him and like He's shown up in like you know Marvel versus Capcom and, and things like that. So like he's you know he's recognized. Yeah, he's not forgotten. They, they tease him,
0: but yeah. yeah. And I mean he starred in one of the biggest games ever, Tatsunoko versus Capcom. I mean come on, everyone has that, right? No, okay. No. <laughs> but um, I yes. something that something that He'll gives me Smash hope is day. that. Uh, Something that gives me hope is that, uh, you know, those Totaku figures, the ones that are kind of like knockoff amiibo, just without functionality. Um, There was recently, I think it was last year, Beautiful Joe. um, There there was a Beautiful Joe Totaku. Yes, that's the one. Ryan's holding it up right now. Oh, you keep it in the box. Oh, I don't know how I feel about that. See, I had to take it out i am I am proud of my beautiful Joe, and I need to let him breathe and live his life <laughs> but um yeah, I just think it's kind of a little random for them to bring back beautiful Joe at this nowhere. point, yeah. I wonder if they're like kind of gauging you yeah. know f- fan support for it, so I hope that um it's sold well and that that sends a message to to Capcom to. Give us more beautiful Joe. It's, it's yeah. a series that has not gotten forgotten, uh, at least by us. At so. least
2: give us at least give us a Sylvia yeah. and Captain Blue Totaku. <laughs> That'd be great.
0: I, I would keep my expectations low on that, Ryan. But I, I feel you. I would definitely get that. <laughs> but yeah, definitely give Beautiful Joe uh, a shot. Either of the games, like honestly if you even start with joe beautiful joe 2 you're not really missing out on like a story from the first one like just play it don't think too hard about it just right. have fun yeah for sure
1: well ryan wants to do our due diligence man
2: all right so you can find us on the nintendo village at nintendo village the nintendo com slash nintendo nostalgia on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, Pandora Podcasts, YouTube. And of course, you can also find us on Facebook at Nintendo NOS, on our Twitter at Nintendo underscore NOS. You can also find us on Instagram at Nintendo NOS Shoot us an email, at nintendo nostalgia at gmail.com. And also, you can call us on our hotline, share your memories, and show us some love at 317 969 5690. Guys, that brings us to the end of the episode. I hope you guys have a great week, and we will catch you next week. Later, Preston.
0: Bye, guys. Later, Preston.
2: Bye.